What's up, guys? Welcome back to Think Big Bodybuilding Media. I'm Scott McNally, and today I am here with Ben Pollock. He is uh, a, a phenomenal power lifter who has transitioned into bodybuilding. I'm sure a lot of you guys already know him. Uh, in fact, I had a few people ask to get him on the show, so uh, uh, we're happy to, to finally get a chance to talk to you, man. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Hopefully there's no pressure. <laughs> now, we'll just make it a, a laid-back conversation. Um, I, I met been back in the summer uh you had competed at the michigan state championships where you then won the overall um you were you know you've been great as a power lifter i know that that's where you really came up through in strength but in the last few years you've transitioned to bodybuilding into hypertrophy um you weren't a really big dude as of a few years ago were you no, I competed. So most of my power, all of my powerlifting career, I competed either one eighty one or one ninety eight. Okay. And then my first two bodybuilding shows, well, were actually classic physique shows where I uh, my weight cap was one ninety for my height, and I came in around one eighty four, one eighty five for both shows. Okay. Now, uh, how heavy were you when I saw you at the Michigan? I believe I was. You know, I don't know what I weighed in at. I can't remember, but I know the day before I was two fifty-two. Okay, so that's a that's a that's a lot of a lot of muscle to have put on. Yeah. Um, so today, guys, we were going to talk about the you know the transition in training from you know focusing on strength to focusing on hypertrophy. When you first when you first started focusing on bodybuilding, um, what was that like? Because I guess I guess the thing I see is a lot of guys who come from powerlifting, you know, they go to do a squat and they're using every muscle in their body, you know, not just the quads versus, you know, we learn to squat in bodybuilding from the quads. You know, we learn to to deadlift, you know, trying to isolate the back. And it's really the opposite, man. Instead of instead of using everything you have to get the weight from point A to point B, it's using the one thing and getting the most out of it. How did, how did that work out for you, like even in your mind? Uh, so that's a great question. So I'm, I'll actually start with the mental part because that was the hardest for me. Okay. Um, because when I started uh, in this, again, this was the classic physique time, I was working with John Meadows and he really emphasized the same thing. And from a mental perspective, that was very difficult for me because no matter how hard I pushed, if I was only using my quads to squat or you know, primarily using my quads to squat, I was selling myself very short in hmm. my eye because I knew, hey – I engage the posterior chain. If I brace her, if I do all those things, then I can lift more weight. I can push myself harder. I can do more reps, whatever the case might be. So it's very discouraging in that sense. Even though you know I, I really enjoyed seeing the changes to my physique, uh, I always uh, I've always enjoyed the training aspect more than anything else. And so I really didn't enjoy that process as much as I might have. I did like doing things new, and the whole reason I got into it to begin with was because I was just getting beat up so much in powerlifting. It was three meets in a row I had to drop out of because of injury. Now, in hindsight, I realized that those injuries were caused by stupidly holding myself back in terms of body weight, like starving myself essentially for years on end, Uh. and then having good movement mechanics on top of it because I was too small uh, to really fill out my leverages. But that was all hindsight. So I really, really struggled with that. And then on top of that, I underperformed my expectations of the shows and really had a bad experience. So after that, uh, and again, that whole time I was trying to follow the, uh, 
follow exactly what you said, you know, really working on that mind-muscle connection, really trying to make sure that even on my compound movements, I was primarily or only stimulating the muscles that I was trying to work. Well, after uh, North Americans in 2019, I reached back out to my old uh, uh, powerlifting diet coach, Justin Harris, and, you know, he, he, he had told me up front, he's like, look, man, I don't think you're well-suited for classic. You don't really have that structure. You're more of a bodybuilding structure. Plus, you like to have your training, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, look, I still don't feel really ready to return to bot- powerlifting physically or mentally because hmm. yeah, I'm still 184. It's just still too small. Um, but, you know, I'd like to give something else a try. And so, you know, he encouraged me to really put on a lot of size. And thanks to him, I was able to go uh, in that short period of time from 184 uh, to, I think my peak was 270 in the offseason. Holy and then crap. Down, yeah, about 250. And, uh, you know, stayed pretty lean the whole time. So that was that was incredible. And, uh, you know, I really owe Justin a lot for that. Dude, okay, so hold on just a second before you go further. You're 184 to 270. That was from 2019 until your peak of bulking before you cut for the Michigan, basically. Correct. That is an incredible amount of of weight to have gained. And, you know, I, and I, I've talked to people about this recently, even one of the guys who wanted to have you on the show. You know, he's thinking about getting into powerlifting. He's a bodybuilder. He's thinking uh-huh. about focusing on powerlifting for a while to get stronger. I, I really have to wonder, like, how much of that muscle – did you gain well probably a because you were able to eat more but b because you had that strength to begin with even though you may have not been trying to lift as a power lifter anymore that foundation you know that i mean i, I imagine that had to be a huge role i i would tend to agree with you and justin did as well you know he said like as far as we know it's, it's the most any competitors ever added in a year yeah uh, bodyweight gains but Again, I was starving myself for years and years on end. It was probably three years in a row. Hmm. I was eating literally 1,800 calories a day <laughs> while lifting 700, 800 pounds. So the strength the I had, in Justin's words, I had basically maxed out my myofibril uh, potential for myofibril hypertrophy. Okay. Hypertrophy, that's you know, just pumping work. That's very quick to, to build up. So combined with caloric surplus – and then obviously, you know, the, the special supplements on top of that, it was very easy to, it was extremely easy, other than the discomfort of being that large, very easy to add that, add, add that size quickly. Yeah, was it was it uh, a struggle for you to hold that? Because I imagine, I know a lot of guys that will just be even gaining 20 pounds and they, you know, they're huffing and puffing to go from 184 to 270, that's nearly 100 pounds. What was that like? Um, so the common thing I hear from guys is that they can't eat enough. That was never a problem. I <laughs> don't fucking starving, man. Um, so that was never a problem. The problem was I felt so uncomfortable because I gained so much weight so quickly. I couldn't walk upstairs. I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't breathe through my nose. I still can't breathe through my nose. Uh, and it, I was just miserable. You know, I didn't feel like an athlete at all. And that's kind of what I was trying to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the answer to the other question, which I would like to go back to uh, yeah. when we have a chance. Um, but yeah, it was extremely uncomfortable in terms of walking around. Yeah, right on, man. So where do you where do you want to go from here? It sounds like you've got a, a lot of thoughts. I, I I just want to hear what you have to say about all this because this yeah. is an incredible story. Yeah, so I got up to about two seventy, and like I said, I was very very uncomfortable, uh, and I I was enjoying it more because I was eating. Right after after starving yourself for three or four years, you, you you're grateful to have food. So. Uh, it was about that time I moved to Michigan uh, originally to work with Justin, but what I ended up finding was my new coach Taylor uh, Taylor Gone. Okay, and you know he's a strong, he's a competitive strongman. That's his background. 
Um, and he's, you know, built like a strong man where he has a ton of muscle and he'll own it. He has a ton of fat too, but you know, he needs that for his sport. Um, so, and I say a ton of fat, you know, he's probably 20% body fat. It's nothing, you know, he's by no means a beast, but by bodybuilding standards. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I met Taylor and Taylor's background is in, uh, collegiate wrestling. He's worked with, you know, Kabuki strength, which is a top level movement strength coach um an extraordinarily smart guy probably the smartest guy i know and so what he told me was with zero bodybuilding experience you know he was looking at me he's like dude this is just another sport you got to treat it the same way you're treating other all your other sports and the reason you can't breathe the reason you can't move the reason you're not enjoying it as much as you could be is because you're trying to treat it like a like a pageant or something and that's that's not the whole point you have to learn to move at this new size yeah you need to be able to perform just like you would as a powerlifter but with slightly different programming. And so what Taylor had me do was really, really take a step back, relearn all my movement patterns from scratch, except for my deadlift, which I'm just kind of naturally built to deadlift. Had to redo my squat from scratch, redo my bench press from scratch, redo the way I walk, the way I breathe, all this stuff. And as a result, I was able to start gaining strength again, and I was able to train, you know, very much like a powerlifter to the point where, huh. uh, you know, I'd say probably 70% of my training was typical powerlifting training that I'm still doing right now where I'm prepping for a powerlifting meet. And then we'd add in the sarcoplasmic work on top of that. But again, that's that's very easy. You get a pump. Uh, you know, it's not going to be a huge drain of recovery, especially when you're eating as much as I was. Um, and it was kind of like a fun extra session. So we were literally doing nine sessions a week together. Um, six of those would be, you know, typical powerlifting sessions. And then three would be typical bodybuilding sessions. Okay. And, uh, you know, because of that, I was really able to drop with all that work, all that volume where I was pushing myself much harder in the gym. I enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, my strength was increasing even as I was, even up until the last, until two weeks out of nationals. So this is after, after you met me, two weeks out of nationals, I was still gaining strength. Okay. Um, and, I, you know, I was barely eating any less. I think we dropped, uh, it was maybe a thousand calories a day. Uh, that we dropped in terms of deficit. But remember, I was eating 6,000 a day to begin with. So I was eating 5,000 calories a day. I was training my ass off. I was still getting stronger. I was getting leaner. And it was it was pretty much the perfect uh, you know synthesis of, of powerlifting and bodybuilding. Yeah. And going forward, that's the only way I plan to train. You know, I'll adjust that amount of hypertrophy work as necessary according to my short-term goals. But I really think that the method that Taylor developed for me or that we developed together uh, is ideal for both sports because hmm. uh, if you consider either one of sport, um, because you know at the end of the day we really are, um, you know, movement is is integral to performance. So whether you're on a powerlifting uh, platform or you're on a bodybuilding stage, if you can't move properly, if you can't perform the squat, bench, deadlift, and if you can't do a, a front double by a, a rear double by a front lat, whatever the case may be, you're not going to uh, see your potential in your places. Hmm. And so that was uh, that was the big revelation for me that really led me to embrace bodybuilding a lot more. Wow. Yeah, you, you made it. It sounds like you made it your own is what you did. You were trying to do somebody else's version of it, what you thought you should be doing. And, and, and I mean, I, I mean, from talking to you before, too, it sounds like to me, I mean, powerlifting is something you, you love doing. It makes sense. Oh. 
Absolutely, yeah. And that was what Justin said, too. It's like, you know, any training system can work at the end of the day. Yes, one might be more optimal than the other, but ultimately the one that you enjoy the most is the one you're going to push the hardest at. The one you push the hardest at is the one that's going to get the best results. So Absolutely. Huh. So this that brings us – so you trained basically like, a, a, we'll say, a traditional bodybuilding training up through the Michigan and up through yeah. nationals of 2020? Yeah. Yeah, up until up until the Michigan, it was a traditional push pull leg split. Okay, push pull legs, push pull legs, six okay. days a week. Okay, so give me an idea then. Like, what what is what does this training look like? This hybrid. Oh well, it's a little bit complicated to explain. Okay, um, but basically, uh, so we break things up by. Uh, excuse me. You can still kind of look at it as a push-pull leg split, but um, we really break things up by upper and lower body in terms of strength potential, right? So your upper body is going to be your bench press. Your lower body is going to be your squat and deadlift. So those are kind of the cornerstones of the strength workouts. Around those, we kind of build in other areas to work in hypertrophy in ways that complement the strength training. So, for example, for a bench workout, we're going to start out by performing a typical bodybuilding circuit routine that's so like a bunch of supersets essentially or a giant set that's going to you know really hit all the areas of the scapula so that's gonna be front rear side delt hmm. uh you know lats uh and then maybe even upper pec and that won't be to failure or anything but it'll be enough to get a good pump and we found that doing that actually improves our bench training so we're not weaker after we go to bench after that because we're keeping it light you're kidding uh, relatively low uh, we're able to bench you more after that. So huh. then you move up to bench press, you hit that heavy movement for the day. And then after the heavy movement for the day, you're choosing other powerlifting variations that complement your physique. So an example here would be, um, and it's nice because typically your strength weaknesses will overlap with your aesthetic weaknesses. So for example, one of my biggest weaknesses is my arms, and particularly my triceps. And one of my biggest weaknesses in powerlifting is the bench press, mm. and particularly my triceps, right? The mid-range lockout. So what we'd have me do is, you know, hit my bench press, and then as my accessory movement, I would do, let's say, reverse reverse band, uh, reverse grip bench presses to really hammer that long head of the tricep. And we would do those with more typical bodybuilding loading patterns. So a lot of bio rep sets, which are similar to rest pause sets, um, a lot of supersets, uh, and uh, occasionally some some AMRAP high rep sets. Uh, now, when we transition to powerlifting, we drop those other, we'll keep the same accessory movements for the most part, but like, for example, maybe I'll do the, the reverse band off pins so it more simulates a pause on the chest, uh, and we'll probably drop the reps down significantly. Um, and then for the upper and lower body days, or I'm sorry, for the lower body days, split those up for bodybuilding purposes, split those up into, uh, you know, posterior emphasis and anterior emphasis. So the anterior emphasis is going to be your squat day. We would do a typical powerlifting squat, but then your accessories are going to be quad focused. So it'll be things like uh, leg extensions, leg press, hack squat, etc. And then the back day will be posterior chain focused. So you'll be hamstrings, glutes, calves, um, and maybe some back thickness work as well. Okay. Okay, I, I can see uh, I can see you, you you've you've put a lot of thought into all this. I'm really surprised, man, that you're finding that you can you're so you're even stronger now. You're saying training this method. Are you finding that it, it it's adding to your your powerlifting? So, well, I don't want to overstate because okay. keep in mind, I'm, yes, I am absolutely 100 percent the strongest I've ever been. 
I'm also 50 pounds heavier than I was competing. So if you look at what I could will, what my, you know, Wilkes coefficient, which is basically a power to weight ratio, not exactly, but somewhat. Uh, if you look at that now, it's going to be lower. Okay. Because I haven't had enough time to, uh, you know, kind of adjust to this new size. I really think that in the next four to six months, I will be not only stronger than I was at 181 or 198 training this way, but I will be pound for pound stronger as well. Hmm. Um, so, yes, I, I really think it has proved my uh, my powerlifting potential. And, uh, you know, one of the goals that Taylor and I now have is encouraging more strength athletes to start getting into hypertrophy stuff because hmm. we really feel like for both powerlifting and strongman, it's extraordinarily beneficial for things like injury prevention, hmm. for things like mood correction, for things like, you know, body composition, which is a big factor if you're dealing with weight class sport. It's a really, really useful tool that I think many people neglect because, you know, it's an age of specialization now, right? If you're on Instagram and you're a bodybuilder, you're posting your check-in photos, and if you're a powerlifter, you're posting your top sets, and nobody cares about the other <laughs> um, But you should care if you want to be a competitive athlete, not just an Instagram model. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. So so take a movement that is going to be like one of your powerlifting movements. Uh, you mentioned bench press. Now, are you, what do those rep ranges look like? Do you do you take those up at all? Or are you still trying to work the way you would in like triples and doubles and singles and stuff? Yeah, I would still work in triples and doubles and singles. And the reason for that is if you're really keeping good movement patterns, it's extraordinarily difficult mm. to do that for high rep sets. And that's really why you won't see powerlifters typically performing high rep sets. They do have good carryover. It's just after you pass, you know, kind of that three to five rep range mark, your technique starts to break down just mm. because those small muscle groups are going to fatigue first. That makes sense. Now, that's not to say I wouldn't use those movements in other areas of the workout. Like, so for example, let's take that anterior chain, lower body workout. Yeah. I'll do my top set of heavy rep of squat, right? Maybe I'll do a heavy single, maybe a back off triple. But then when I move on to my, to my hypertrophy work, well, you know, it's very possible that I'm doing sets of 10 on 20 on leg extension supersets with, uh, you know, high bar squats, really focusing on only using the quads for that. Um, so I don't want to say that I'm only doing those rep ranges, but primarily, yes. Okay. Okay. And all your joints, all that kind of stuff, like everything, it sounds like you're feeling good with this plan. Everything other than my right shoulder, which has been messed up for over 10 years now so it's still not 100 percent. it's getting better but you know 10 years of chronic injuries you're okay. not gonna fix it yeah, yeah. so i guess you know here's a thought so i think of the guy i was talking to who said he, he was thinking about trying to get more involved with powerlifting to to build the strength up um if if anybody's out there listening to what you're saying right now how could they think about going about adding this in kind of getting a blend uh for themselves like what what kind of advice would you give them from here um so that's a great question so and it depends on which side you're coming from if you're coming from a powerlifting side 
in my opinion, the movement aspects are harder. It's harder to learn how to engage your entire body huh. in the lift than it is to learn how to isolate individual muscle groups. Huh. That might be my bias. You know, that's just you know how I how I uh, perform, but that is my kind of that's my philosophy. So, if you're a powerlifter who wants to add hypertrophy work to their training. All you really need to do is start with very, very high rep sets, so you're really getting that lactic acid buildup, and you can really feel whatever target muscle is working. That will help you establish the mind-muscle connection. Once you've done that, then you can just add in hypertrophy work as you would with a typical bodybuilding program, and I think that will work pretty well for an off-season as a starting point. Hmm. If you're a bodybuilder, it's a little bit different, and I'm going to use uh, Joe Mackey as an example here. Joe Mackey wants to do a powerlifting meet, at least that's what he told me. And, you know, he has great potential because he can deadlift 800 pounds using a bodybuilding-style technique. Hmm. Um, but, you know, he's he's now trying to peak for me. And it looks to me like he's getting engaged maybe a little bit more of his uh, posterior chain. But I would – if I were him, I would be, you know, kind of worried about either hurting myself or selling myself short because I didn't take the time to really back off and learn how to use the all hmm. my muscles uh, um, in conjunction or, or you know, uh, appropriately. So if you're a bodybuilder trying to go to the powerlifting side, what I would recommend doing is starting with a typical linear progression program or even a linear periodized program if you're a more advanced bodybuilder, where if you're a beginner bodybuilder, you're just starting out every week. You're trying to add five pounds to the bar until that stops working. And then once that stops working, then you start adjusting your rep ranges. So you'll start to go from sets of 10 to sets of 8 to sets of 6. And all this time, all you're really focused on is adding weight to the bar. Mm. Because I think, in my experience, what you will naturally find is as you add weight to the bar and as you get down to those lower rep ranges, particularly under sets of eight, uh, you will be forced to engage more of your muscle groups just to lift the weight. Um, and that will be a way to ease yourself into mm. kind of uh, – kind of teaching yourself so regardless of which side you come from i guess the the one thing they have in common is start with very high reps and progress to lower reps that makes total sense to me i think yeah and the majority of people at least listening to these shows they're we're mostly bodybuilding focused but i i guess i could see that because at the and it, it, it makes sense like that would be an easy way to do it because otherwise the, like the guy i was talking to his thought was just like stop bodybuilding start going to a powerlifting gym you know start talking to powerlifters start you know going that that route because it's almost like to me that almost seems like like too extreme i almost i don't want to I, I wouldn't want to abandon everything about bodybuilding to engage with powerlifting especially like a guy who's already in his you know 30s or 40s you know it's like it's yeah. it's long it's it's late to kind of start over completely but with what you're saying that seems like it'd be more of a natural transition I, I would tend to agree with you. you know, I'm sure you can come up with exceptions like the guy who has massive arms and legs and really lacks that back and chest th chest thickness. Then maybe they would benefit from a short, you know, pure powerlifting uh, standpoint, uh, short powerlifting cycle. But for the vast, vast majority of people, I think powerlifting is going to be too torso oriented and too technical to be worthwhile as an off season by itself. It's funny talking to you here. I I can tell you are a very intelligent person. And for those for those of you guys who don't know, uh, what's your, what's your Instagram? Is it PhD Deadlift or is uh, just PhD Deadlift? P okay, yeah. So we're talking to a PhD here, and I can I can see it now. I can see how fast your your brain works. You uh, you're on that next level. So we're not just dealing with like some random strong dude here. You're a smart guy. Um, Thank you. I uh, it you know that. I wanted to ask you too, um, 
So now that you've seen both sides, you, you, you've had a ton of experience with powerlifting. Uh, you've gotten a great deal of experience with bodybuilding, you've been on the national stage. You've gotten up to 270 pounds. I want to know, like, what's the toughest part of each sport? So, I mean, I'm going to cop out here because I would think that the toughest part of bodybuilding would be dieting. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a good metabolism. That's pure genetics, and I don't have to die hard. Yeah. I really don't. So bodybuilding for me is, is pretty easy. Um, I I have yet to find something that's hard in bodybuilding except from the mental standpoint. What I will say from that is that, man, it's a mind fuck. Like trying to analyze your own physique is really, really discouraging. Huh. Um, and I really don't enjoy that aspect of it. So for me – that's that's the hard part is being objective about my progress. Um, from a physical standpoint, I honestly think bodybuilding is extremely easy. Ah. Uh, I mean, that's, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm you, sure you, if I had to die my ass off, man, it would suck. And when I was trying to stay 184, it sucked. Yeah, um, I imagine going from 270 to 240 felt like a vacation. That's crazy, so man. Yeah, so it was it was nothing. I mean. Yeah, but that's that's purely genetic, so I'm I'm probably not a good person to ask from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Power, I think, is much harder. Um, not not again, not physically so much, uh, but more. Um, what's the right term? It's almost like uh, it's a balancing act. It's a much more difficult balancing act in that you have to be able to push yourself to the limit. Uh, just like you do in bodybuilding, but in powerlifting, you have to be pushing yourself to the limit while maintaining technical mastery. So it's almost like you're doing a max set of dumbbell incline presses while riding a bicycle, hmm. right? It's a lot harder than just doing a max set of incline presses, even though, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to build a lot more muscle doing those incline presses if you're not on a bicycle. But it's it's harder when you're trying to, um, to keep perfect technique with maximal effort weights. Yeah, I could see that. So... Um... How long does it take to to get ready for a meet uh, for you on on average? These are just like some basic questions I've got here now because, like I said, I'm coming at this from a, a bodybuilding sure. perspective, so I'm I'm learning here a little. So it it really depends on you know what my off season's been like. So if you're talking about right now, well, I'm giving myself a full nine months because I no. haven't been parallel since 2018. So, you know, it's been a long break and I need time to learn how to ride that bicycle again. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking about, hey, I came off a of meet, I took a, a lighter off-season, you know, break, you know, maybe 12 to 16 weeks and now I'm prepping for a meet again, six to eight weeks. Okay. 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 I see. And you're going to tie that in with bodybuilding, right? Yeah. So my plan for this year, I'm going to do a warm-up powerlifting meet, hopefully in April. Uh, and the only only purpose of that meet is to get back on the platform, get some of those nerves out. Because, again, it's been three years now uh, since I've done a powerlifting meet. So that's the only goal for that April show. My big powerlifting show meet will be in September, September 11th. It's the Pioneer Open in Coleman, Texas. So that one I'm going to push pretty hard for. Um, you know, my best case scenario, a total uh, about 2310 uh, because that would be Stan Efferding's best effort total. Oh, yeah. That would be, be crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's about, uh, I want to say it's eight or ten weeks before nationals. So from then, I will then immediately start dieting, get ready for nationals, uh, which I want to say is November 21st, but I can't swear to that. They have announced it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then nationals will be the plan after that. So um, that'll be for this year. Um, depending on how those go, then I'll just have to, you know, let's say 
let's just I think the chances of hitting the total are probably better than getting the pro card so let's say I hit the total then I'll probably spend all of 2022 focused on bodybuilding if it goes the other way around somehow I luck into a pro card and don't get the total all of 2022 will be focused on powerlifting and if neither one happens then I'll, I'll keep taking it bit by bit oh yeah yeah so it sounds like you're you're in a lucky place metabolism wise that you can get into shape fast but what Absolutely. will happen with your composition for the meet in September? What you know, will you be higher body fat by the time you get there? What because I'm just thinking to myself from a bodybuilding perspective, you know, how hard is it going to be to go from that to nationals then in November? That's a great question, and I, I guess I kind of fibbed when I said the only goal of the April meet was to, to get back on the platform. So part of the goal is to see how how well am I adapting to this new size? Okay, so. After my last show was the Amateur Olympia late December, and I weighed in there, at, I want to say 240-something. I can't remember, 248, whatever. I've stayed that weight. Um, oh. So obviously, my body composition is not as good. And again, not on as many super supplements. So okay. um, that's, that's pretty, pretty noticeable. But I've also intentionally not been eating as much as I would like because it was so difficult to move at 270. And I know it could blow up 270 like that if I ate properly right um and i don't want to do that because i couldn't move at that size so i want to adjust to this size first and my plan is to do that april show at 242 ah. see how it goes if i you know if it goes 100 percent perfect and i total something like a thousand kilos and i'm like i got more in the tank let's go i'll just kind of stay this size and add me super supplements and modify my diet a little bit and it won't be a big deal at all if it's not of that case, and I feel like okay, well, you know, this went well. I'm very confident I'll be, I'll be adjusted to the size by then. But if I'm like okay, there's no chance of hitting 23 plus of the size, then I'm gonna have to push to get up to 270, right? Hmm. Um, 275, which is the weight class, uh, to try and be able to move enough weight to hit my goal. Um, and in that case, it might be a, it might be a little bit more challenging. I dieted for two weeks before the Michigan. And I had striated glutes for that show. Yeah, you did. You look like you dieted for a lot longer than two weeks. I probably got some video still from that. If I do, I'll have to throw that in here because, yeah, yeah, you you look like you had been dieting for a lot longer than two weeks. And you know, my my quads were a little bit watery. They tend to be the the last area to come in for me. That okay. lower back, see the stage fakes on NPC News. But um, you know, I'm very confident. No matter how fluffy i get for me i can get in shape in 10 weeks i'm not i'm not at all concerned about that and i personally from a mental standpoint would rather push hard and short than long and slow right on right on all right well listen so you know as a power lifter who has a lot of experience bodybuilding now and as a thinker i'd consider you like i said man you're definitely a, a thinking man what can you help us with as bodybuilders from your perspective what do you see in bodybuilding, um, we'll talk about like in the gym training wise, where are the things that you think that you just random people you watch day to day, where can we improve? What mistakes do you see us making that could be uh, benefited by uh, by making changes? You know, that's a great question. And I think it depends on kind of your, uh, your experience level, right? Because I see a lot of these top guys who are cranking out very high rep sets with heavy freaking weight. And for them, you know, the, the one thing that I would say is periodize your training a little bit more. If you're mm. doing the same rep range week in and week out, like you told me before we hopped on that last week you crushed those 125 dumbbell presses, but then this week you struggled with the 115s. Well, yes. You know, if I were in your shoes, I'd be periodizing my training so that 
this week I would be shooting for the 130s, even over significantly fewer reps. Mm. Um, you know, that gives me at least a mental kind of variation of my training. So from an advanced standpoint, I think the, the programming methodology for bodybuilding is just too simplistic mm. to support advanced levels of training. That's just my own uh, own kind of bias. And then obviously you have guys like uh, a stick Phil Viz, for example, who are very, very focused on shape, right? And they're, they're, top priority is a tiny waist and that X frame. That's kind of a different story. But if you're one of those guys who's going for all out size, I really think that having that type of uh, progression is important. The lower level bodybuilders, the guys I see who in the gym are just not progressing, they're not training hard enough, man. And I really think that's where, uh, you know, kind of a powerlifting background can come in because you learn if you got to add weight to the bar, you're going to have to push yourself harder eventually. Um, and so I think that's a really valuable skill set that I learned from powerlifting. It's just like, man, no matter how hard it hurts, you can keep pushing until your body goes out. Like there's the most people, most lower to intermediate level bodybuilders I see in the gym do not push hard enough. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I feel like intensity is something that you, you learn over time. Um, but it, yeah, I, it's hard to talk about intensity too. It's something, it's always been a, a pet project of mine on the podcast to try to explain what intensity is. There's, there's something to be said though, about just seeing it firsthand, maybe training with somebody who has more intensity than you do. And then that light clicks on, you know what I mean? And there's also the, the problem that I think I'll, that a lot of these people are watching the top level guys when they start out. Yeah. And a lot of the top level guys don't train all that hard. And mm. it's smart in their case, because if you're the top level guy, you, you're not going to add that much more muscle. Big Ramey is not going to add 50 more pounds of muscle this year. Yeah. Right. And so if he's training all out with heavy compound exercise, the only thing he's doing is increasing his risk of injury. Mm. And if you're Mr. O, increasing your risk of injury is really freaking stupid. That's a good point. But for those guys who are coming up, that's a risk they have to take if they want to add that type of muscle. And you can take it and you can be very smart about it. I mean, I squatted 700 pounds today and – you know, I was not afraid at all of injury because I've really gradually worked up to that. Hmm. If you just go in the gym and try and do it, then yeah, you're going to get hurt. But uh, at the same time, I do think there's another place where it is necessary. Yeah, I'll tell you, I've um, I've worked toward adding periodization in. I have a, I'm having a hard time with it. I'm having a hard time with things like reps and reserve. It's difficult for me. I want to be able to like, I want to be able to push to that 100 percent every time I train. Uh, would you have any advice for me specifically then or anybody who's in my position? Because we get a lot of questions about learning how to do deloads and learning how to periodize. I think that bodybuilders are becoming more aware of it, but I think a lot of us are still figuring it out, including myself. Um, so first, I think deloads are highly overrated. Okay, I think there is a time and place for deloads, but it's relatively rare. And if you're one of the guys who's deloading every four weeks, I think that's really stupid. Uh, you should be deloading according to what your body tells you. And if that's every four weeks, that's great. But if it's every 14 weeks or every 40 weeks, that's great too. You do not need to be deloading. De you're listening to your body, not your mind, because your mind's always going to tell you to do something different. Yeah. But yeah. I really think that if you're deloading on a regular schedule, that's a mistake. Uh, when you're deloading, you should feel like, holy shit, I need this. Mm. So it should not be a mental issue. You should not be worried about what you're doing in the gym. You just need a freaking break. Um, now, in terms of, okay, well, shoot, I have reps in reserve. 
so I'm not allowed to push it all out, so this trans can be really boring. <laughs> I don't like the rapid reserve method. I don't like the RPE method because of those reasons. You know, I want to push all out. And so the way that Taylor and I have kind of skipped, uh, worked around that, are you familiar with our the video I posted about V plus E equals SP? I didn't see it yet. No, no. Okay, cool. So um, we had that same issue, right? We like to really push ourselves hard in the gym, and we know if we do that, we're going to get hurt, we're going to stall out, we're not going to make progress, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So we came up with kind of new scale that instead of saying, how much could you do today, the scale is based around, okay, how much could you do in six months? So you're really not focused on your current potential. You're focused on your long-term strength potential. And so the scale looks at, okay, we call it velocity and effort. Those are not really great terms. We couldn't think of anything better. Okay. We're looking at, okay, how heavy does this weight feel? So that's just not, not thinking how hard is this set, how you know light is this weight, is this a PR. All you're thinking, you pick up the dumbbells, you pick up the barbell, you get on a machine. Right at that instant, does this feel like, oh shit, can I lift this, or does this feel like I got this? That's that's the first thing. That's the the, the effort equation. And the second part of the equation is, okay, how fast am I moving this? For a powerlifter, faster is better. Hmm. For a bodybuilder, slower is better. So if you're able to control that weight, again, we'll use your dumbbell presses for as an example. If you're able to control that weight all the way through the eccentric, have a fast, strong concentric, then your velocity is very high, right? Which is a good thing for powerlifters or for bodybuilders. Yeah. If you can't control it and you know you're barely able to, you know, the weight falls down and then you just gotta grind it up and it's super slow, well then it's very high. And so your strength potential is a combination of those things. Hmm. The lighter the weight feels and the more you're able to control it, the, the higher your strength potential is. And as long as that strength potential is increasing, you know you're getting stronger. So let's take your set of 125s again. Just the example that comes to mind is easy. Yeah. Let's say I can visualize it this way too. Okay. So you pick those up, you're like, oh shit, this is heavy. And then you crank out a set of 12 and they're slow and controlled and perfect. So on our scale, that's a nine. Okay. Uh, so the scale is seven. It feels light and it moves controlled. Eight feels heavy, but moves controlled. So I'm sorry, it's an eight. If it feels heavy and it moves without with less control, then it's a nine. And if it feels heavy and your form is crap, that's a ten. Okay. So we never, we never program tens, but that way you know you have something to reserve in case something goes wrong. Yeah. So we try and stay in that eight range because that's really where we feel our long term potential is going up. So you do your top set like that, right? And you're holding some of the tank. You know if you did this rep, if you did this set slow and controlled, even if it was to failure, which it can be under our method, you can hit failure. But if every rep is slow and controlled, that's still an eight. And so you're still training within yourself. Huh. And you can probably progress next time. If you go past that, you go to the nine, you lose some control, but you still complete the rep cleanly. Well, then you overreach a little bit. You got to cut back. But that's just our top set. And then we have a bunch of back downs where we don't even worry about how they feel. We just do the best we can. We push ourselves all out. And so we get that kind of mental need to train hard out of the way as well. Okay. Um, so this has worked phenomenally well for us. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, I think, in the powerlifting world has picked up on it and kind of uh, dissected it from a theoretical perspective and found some issues with it, which I don't disagree with. Okay. But it was never meant to be like a theoretical type of thing. It was meant to be more of a practical thing for guys like you and me who want to push hard, even if it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. Huh. And, and you said you guys have this posted on Instagram right now? Yeah. So it's on our Instagram and it's on my YouTube channel as well. Okay. Well, I will link 
both of those things then down in the show notes. So anybody else who wants to check this out more in depth, do that. And I will definitely be doing that too. This is something I, I want to I want to hear the in depth explanation on this because because yep. I need another answer. Like I said, reps in reserve hasn't worked for me. Um, trying other methods, going to you know, lighter weight for higher reps, it it it, it just it, it hasn't. I haven't found something that's clicked for me yet. I feel you, man. I feel you. Part of the reason I keep getting hurt is because I had to push to RP eleven every freaking workout, <laughs> or I felt like I was leaving stuff in the tank. Yeah, because I was always focused on am I doing my best today? Mm. Thinking if I added up a hundred percent effort every day, I would get to my goal. Yeah, but in reality, it doesn't work like that. You got to add up just enough effort every day, huh? Because that's where you, how you build momentum, and momentum is what carries you to your goal. I can see that, man. I can see that because what ends up happening with me is I'll I'll build that momentum. I got up to the one twenty five. And then after that, then the momentum falls apart. And then it's like, I'm in a rebuilding phase. That's the way I've, it's, it's kind of become a cycle for me is the way I it's see not it. Just you. It's not just you. It's everybody, okay. everybody. Yeah. And so that's really one of the challenges that we're trying to help resolve. That's cool. That's cool. I can't wait to, to check out more of that. Um, so tell us a little bit about your lifts. I, I, I have to try to focus like mentally on like what you're capable of now. Like what, what's in, been in like. Let's let's talk squat for instance. What's been the best? No health. Let's start with deadlift because I know that's your best. Let's what 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 has been your best in the gym and what's been your best in a meet? So my best in a meet was uh, 2017 Reebok record breakers. I think I was 196 and I pulled 815. And at the time, that was also my best in the gym. Uh, recently, I just this past summer, right? I think it was uh, a couple of months before the Michigan. I pulled 855 pretty easily. That was in the gym with straps. So grip is my weak point on deadlift. So that's what I have to address. Okay. But I can fix that up. I'm pretty sure I have the potential to pull, you know, at least 400 kilos, maybe 900 uh, by April. Or not by April, by September. Excuse me. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. And how about uh, how about uh, bench then? Bench, uh, so bench is my weakest lift. Okay, uh, I'm really hoping to hit 500 at uh, in September. But the best I've ever done in a competition is 424. Okay, uh, that was again 2017. And um, for right now on bench, we're staying very light, very conservative, really trying to completely rework that movement pattern. So the heaviest I've gone in months has been 405, and I'll do that you know, pretty much, not every workout, but pretty nearly every workout, I'll work up to 405, but kind of keep that as a ceiling and just try and make it perfect no matter how many reps it is or you know how many sets or whatever. Um, just try and own that weight yeah. uh, before before moving into uncharted territory. You made an interesting point too. You said you earlier you mentioned that triceps are your weak link in the the bench press, and you said that you feel that they're underdeveloped as well, like compared to oh. everything else. Yeah, I think that that's that's such a common thing. You know, it's like how 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 are they training your triceps? Like, do you get a really good connection to them, or does it tend to be a muscle you don't connect with as well? You know, I th until I started working with Taylor, I thought I connected really well with them. That's why I was really surprised. But then when I was working with Taylor, I learned I was really focusing more on the medial head than the long head. And the long head's where you're going to get most of your strength and size. So, okay. Uh, and I really didn't have a good connection with that. So as I build it, I'm really uh, hopeful that I will see both progress and strength and size. I feel like when you realize those things, like there was something mechanically that you weren't doing, in my experience, because I had, I had an experience with glutes, that glutes just were not... Uh, they weren't, they weren't, they wasn't a good body part for me. And then I found that, it, you know what, they weren't firing either. So my squat was all quad and then I fixed my hamstrings and then the glutes were still lagging. Um, 
I found that when I learned how to train them, it was like getting newbie gains because I hadn't been activating yeah. them right before. So I wouldn't be surprised, man. I mean, with everything else, all your other development, it was just a matter of maybe not getting the, you know, getting it to fire right. I wouldn't be surprised if that catches right up now. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I hope so. I got my fingers crossed. And then how about how about squat? Where are you at with that? So my best meet, squat meet again, 2017 is 799 point like four. And I was so upset that my coach didn't call 800 because that would have made me the only person under 200 pounds to have both squatted and pulled 800 pounds in a meet. You're probably not going to get a chance to do that again. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, so 799, most I've ever squatted in the gym is 805. But again, been keeping the squat just like the bench because we're reworking those from scratch. Okay. Been taking those very slow. Um, and right now my ceiling on squat is 700. Okay. Again, like I hit that today. I posted on Instagram. It was 697 or something, but call it 700. Um, so I just posted that on Instagram today. And you can go see it's on our scale. It's RPE 7, which is essentially a warm up. Okay. Um, and moved, moved great. Felt great. No issues. I'm pretty confident I can squat 900 um, once I really ramp things up. So that'll be really exciting for me. Um, you know, I think a world record squat right now is out of the question, but two or three years it might be a even a possibility which is kind of cool um but yeah I, I would like to squat a thousand before i'm done that'd be crazy man uh yeah we're talking to somebody who said 700 was a felt like a warm-up just just to point that out guys that's incredible man i love i love the squat i feel like it's just it's such a full body intense movement you know yeah, and man, it's, it's just night and day when I look at my old squats compared to now. Yeah, uh, I, I had no, I had no frame to squat with, you know, so I just had to kind of collapse. <laughs> otherwise, there was nothing there to support me. And now that I actually have hips and I actually have legs, it's like, oh wow, I can squat. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Uh, you know, I we had talked before. I told you that I had, um, I had asked Chris Duffin when he was on, like, what's it like being under the bar you know you with that thousand and one pound squat i mean anything though i feel like anything over anything over like you know 300 is is a ton of weight so 400 500 600 700 your your quote warm-up weight what's it like though to have an incredible amount of weight a weight that scares you on your back you know you told me chris stuff and said it felt like death or something and i really don't agree with that he said it felt like like it was gonna tear right through him yeah, I really don't agree with that. I think of what Ed Cohen said to the same question. If somebody asked him, what does it feel like to squat a thousand? He's like, so what's your PR right now? Scott, what's Scott? What's your best squat? Oh, like uh, maybe three plates. I never go to like a PR, but I can work okay. up to three plates. That's like, okay. for me, that's that's a decent working set. So let's say if you want, so from for me, 700 for me feels exactly like three plates feels for you. Okay. It's just how it feels. You progress to that point where you can support it. That makes sense and to me. Yeah. If I were to get under a thousand now, yeah, it would feel like it was crushing my brain. You should. Sure. I'm going to work up to that slowly. And 700, you know, it felt heavy when I unracked it. It was like, oh, okay, there's some weight there, but it never felt like this is going to kill me. Okay. You know? So, so do you feel like that? Because I've never power lifted. So, if you're trained, obviously, to get to the the heaviest weight you can lift at the day of the meet. Is it not incredibly terrifying then? And the incredibly terrifying part with squat is because it's the first lift. So huh. you got to get up there. People are watching in theory and you're like, oh, fuck, if I miss, I'm going to look stupid. <laughs> That's the only terrifying part. Um, I've never been to a meet with bad spotters, although I know they exist. That would be terrifying as well. But 
Uh, no, if you're unracking properly and you're bracing properly, the weight should never feel like it's crushing you. Okay, okay, huh? Yeah, that's an interesting perspective then, and, and I and I guess it makes sense if you spend week after week lifting more and more and handling 700, 705, up to eight hundred. By the time you get to your your weight that you're working with, it, it's not going to be as scary. It's not as romantic though. I like the idea of it being like this terrifying thing that you don't know if it's going to happen or not. The terrifying thing is the night before, where you're thinking about, oh fuck, how I'm going to feel in the morning. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what was what's what's more um, what creates more anxiousness for you, getting ready for a powerlifting meet the night before or a bodybuilding show the night before? It's a tough question because. For bodybuilding, the night before, well, you're done, right? You don't have to perform at all. There's nothing, you know, you're there. True. Uh, you're, it's highly unlikely you're going to mess up your peak the day of the show. Right. Um, so from that aspect, bodybuilding's not that bad. On the other hand, on powerlifting, it's like, well, it's exciting. It's fun. It's something to look forward to. So I, I don't know that I'm t- terribly anxious before either of them. Okay. Um, but if I had to choose, it would be powerlifting. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because it makes sense. You have to still do something that's going to be pretty intense. Yeah. Right on. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, this has been cool, man. I, I really appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, we came on to talk about the, really the, the comparison and the, the transition from powerlifting to, to hypertrophy. But I got to pick your brain on a bunch more. So I, I really appreciate that, man. I feel like Absolutely. I've. I've learned some good stuff here too. Uh, I'm going to go and check your guys's uh, YouTube page out, and oh, I, I, I'm going to read more about and listen more, you know, about everything you guys are doing. Um, thank you. If people do want to reach out to you, I'll have, like I said, I have the YouTube. What's the name of your YouTube? Uh, Instagram.com. No, YouTube.com/slash/c/slash/phdeadlift. Okay, cool. And then we've got your Instagram. Anywhere else people can reach out to you? I have a website, phd.net. Okay. Uh, so that's probably the best way. There's a contact me button there. Okay, cool. And now do you do any type of coaching of your own, anything like that? I do do some coaching. Uh, right now, my one-on-one stuff I'm really slammed with, and so I really can't take anybody else. I can refer people to Taylor if they'd like, or I also have a train heroic team where I try to make that as close to one-on-one coaching as possible. So I'm doing form checks, talking with each athlete individually, you know, I'm giving advice on their situations, Um, but everybody follows kind of the same programming, which is basically exactly what I just described here. So um, if they're interested, that's definitely the best route to go. All right, cool, man. Well, listen, um, anything else you want to share with us before you, before we go? Man, I appreciate you letting me have me on you know, talk my talk your ear off. Oh, dude, it's my pleasure, man. This is uh, this has been a, fun, a lot of fun. Like I said too, I I got to learn a lot here. I think that uh, I think that we, in, in bodybuilding we could all learn from people who have been focusing on strength. I've really come to learn in the last few years, man, how important strength is. It's been a it's been a game changer for me to be able to continue bodybuilding and continue making progress. I only wish I'd learned that sooner. You know. Yeah, I feel that. I definitely feel that. All right, guys. Well, for another episode here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media, I'm Scott McNally, and I'm with Ben Pollock. See you guys soon. Thanks, Ben. Absolutely.